I could imagine saying to somebody who has been faithfully serving in a role, a lay role in a congregation, hey, you know, you are starting to seem like the leadership of this congregation is really wearing on you. What would happen if you didn't come to church for two months? And that's different than didn't worship for two months, right? And it's different than didn't attend to your faith for two months. But what would happen if we carved some space out for you to take a step away from the responsibilities that you have taken on as a volunteer in your congregation and went and listened to religious leaders that you've always wondered kind of what it's like to sit and listen to them teach to actually do that? Or what would it be like if you are a person who really connects to faith through nature? What would it be like for you to take a weekend and instead of coming and getting 10 questions about the finances of the church, if you're the treasurer, you know, what if you went and you spent a weekend in a state park and on Sunday morning you got up and you took a walk and you took your Bible with you and you worshiped in the woods? Welcome to the Center for Congregations podcast. This is a conversation for anyone invested in sustaining and strengthening their faith communities. The Center for Congregations is an Indiana nonprofit that exists because we believe that the work of your congregation is essential. Our mission is to strengthen your congregation, helping you find the right information or expertise for your congregation's needs. We're able to do this work because of the generosity of the Lilly Endowment. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Center for Congregations podcast. I'm Matt Burke, one of the hosts, and with me is one of my two three-name colleagues, Shelly Riggs-Jordan. Hey, Shelly. <laughs> Hello, Matt Burke. How are you? <laughs> Doing all right. I feel insecure. I feel like I need to put my all three of my names out there because you and Mackenzie both use yours. So. Oh, that's funny. I only do because it was the compromise when I got married. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> That's funny. And it's funny. I've known you for a long time and I never asked you why why you went by Shelly Riggs Jordan. So Yeah. So when we got engaged, I said to my husband, I'm not marrying you unless I can keep my last name. It's who I've been for 20 years, 22 years. And he said, well, I'm not marrying you unless you take my name. So I officially changed my middle name to Riggs and there's no hyphen. Okay. So I just go by Shelly Riggs Jordan and that settled it for everybody and all is well. There you go. You yeah. Go. But here's the funny part. So my husband and I got in a huge fight about that name change. And that night he met my grandfather for the first time at dinner. And the first thing out of my grandfather's mouth after hello was, so Brent, how do you feel about changing your last name to Riggs? And I was like, oh. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Grandpa. We're trying to close the door on that one. (laughs) Thanks, Grandpa. That's awesome. Well, hey, glad to be here with you, Shelly. Looking forward to today's conversation. And today we're talking about renewal, and that has a lot of nuance and a lot of different meanings. And in the interview, we kind of have some specificity around that. So we'll talk a little bit about the person that we interviewed, and we'll have the interview coming up in a little bit. But just as we talk about renewal, Shelley, how does that idea, topic, thought come up in your work with congregations down in Southeast Indiana? You know, I don't have a lot of people calling me asking about renewal leave and how they do it. I don't know if it's the area in which I live. It just doesn't seem to come up for pastors very often. There's a lot of bivocational pastors in Mm -hmm. Southeast Indiana. And I think even if they can get a renewal from the congregation, they can't always get a renewal from whatever the other job might be. So I think Mm -hmm. it's a tricky thing to navigate for a lot of pastors and congregations. Sure. Sure. How about for you? What do you see? Yeah, primarily I'm aware of it because we do get a lot of calls because we are funded by the Lilly Endowment and the Lilly Endowment also funds the Center for Pastoral Excellence, which runs the clergy renewal program. We do get folks inquiring of us about the clergy renewal program, which is not something that we run or not something that we're a part of, but we point them in the right direction. So I get those questions on occasion. And over my work in the last nine years with the center, I've had a couple of congregations reach out trying to understand how do we make a renewal leave or a sabbatical work? 
what does that look like when the pastor is gone and we still need the business of the congregation to continue to be conducted? And I had one congregational leader reach out to me and very frankly say to me, I need resources that will help persuade my congregation to allow me to do this. (laughs) (laughs) That's one of the big questions, isn't it? Yeah, it can be. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So we'll definitely get into some of those pieces with the interview. But I think it's interesting that the, the idea of renewal in general, I've been hearing more about that from congregations in general from the standpoint of having a consultant come in and teach them how to have rhythms of rest in the staff and clergy lifestyle. Like how as a team do they have these peaks and valleys of activity so that there can be some Sabbath, some rest renewal built into the habit of the congregation. And actually there's a cool resource called Run Hard, Rest Well, run by a woman named Brenda Jank up here in Northeast Indiana. And we'll add that to the show notes. I'm already talking resources, but that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of good ones. Yeah, but I know that they've worked with a number of congregations and Brenda's expertise is coming in not only in congregational spaces, but also even in corporate and nonprofit spaces. And how do we live a sustainable working lifestyle? And just like the title of their organization says, how do we run hard but rest well? So how do we do our due diligence, but also make sure that we're resting? And so I've definitely had a number of congregations work with them and it's been a very positive experience. So it's a little bit in the air of how do we find ways to rest? And so I'm encouraged by that. Good. When I think especially after COVID and the pace at which pastors continued, lay leaders continued, and everything was new, and oh my gosh, how are we going to do this? And I think it was just a tiring time for everyone, clergy, Mm -hmm. laity, people in the pews, because the world just kind of got topsy-turvy. And so now people are coming out of it, and normal is such a terrible word anymore, but like more normal, I guess, rhythms are returning Mm -hmm. to our life, but people are realizing how tired they are. Yeah. And they want to do something about it, which I'm encouraged by, because I think pastors and lay leaders often aren't very good at Sabbath Mm -hmm. because they just don't feel like there's time for it. But it's such a core routine to have built into your life. So I am excited to hear people talking about it more too. Yeah. Yeah. And you make such a great point, Shelley, that the pandemic we all went through a very hard time, whether it was the isolation and lack of activity, or as you well know, as we've experienced, we know that clergy had a huge uptick in activity during the pandemic. They had so much more to do trying to keep congregations together. But regardless, we were all impacted in some way and therefore need to address that. And maybe we need to not lose sight of that, even though, you know, we're not masking in public anymore and we don't have the guidelines and the isolation protocols that we had at one point, but let us not get too far down the path and remember that we all have a lot of stuff we need to deal with Yeah, and learn how to make space for that. Yes. Yes. If nothing else, well, I think there's a lot of good things that come out of the pandemic, but I'm hopeful that that's one of them, that mental health continues to be high on the priority list and that people start to take their own very seriously. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and that's something that longtime listeners of the Center for Congregations podcast, although I say long time, that can only be about two and a half years. We haven't been around that long. But for those of you who have been around long enough, have seen us touch on mental health and touch on rest, renewal, Sabbath, sabbatical, things like that. And we'll continue to do so because we get to encounter so many different congregations in the context of our work. And even though congregations don't necessarily ask us about the same things, we can sometimes see what's happening and kind of make good guesses as to what folks need to hear. And so we're wanting to be part of that conversation of rest and renewal, Sabbath, mental health, because we believe firmly that a congregation is only as healthy as its leadership. And so finding ways that we can be a voice and a support and a resource for the mental, the physical, the spiritual health and well-being of the leadership of congregations, we'd love to support in that way because we feel like we're supporting congregations in general. Very well said, Matt. Very well said. All right, well, let's go ahead and get to our interview with Reverend Greg Pimlott. He is the senior pastor of Main Street United Methodist Church in Boonville, Indiana. And he'll be speaking from his experience about a renewal leave that he took in 2019. So we hope you find this conversation as interesting and as engaging as we did. everybody. Welcome back. Here with us is Reverend Greg Pimlock from Main Street United Methodist Church in Boonville, Indiana. Greg, thanks so much for being here with us. 
thanks for giving me the opportunity. Yeah, and we're so excited to talk with you because you had a pretty interesting and unique experience that you'd like to share with others. It happened in 2019 about renewal, like renewal leave. And so I'd love for you to just kind of start with talking about where that journey began and what that looked like. Absolutely. Yeah, so I'm a pastor in a United Methodist Church, which is a movement in the Christian faith. And I had been doing that for about 15 years. And I noticed that things were beginning to change in the way that I led my congregation, and not necessarily for the better. More nights than not, I would collapse on the couch at the end of the day and say, I'm exhausted. And I didn't mean just it had been a long day like that sort of bone-weary, exhausted that you don't get over easy. I was having trouble finding it harder to say something new in sermons. There was a preacher named Ernest Campbell who famously said, Sundays come toward the preacher like telephone poles by the window of a moving train. (laughs) And I found that those telephone poles were coming closer and closer together. I mean, it was harder to set my sights on the next one. And so the result of that was that I ended up taking three months of renewal leave, which is something that's actually built into the expectations of United Methodist pastors, but hardly anybody does it because we're worried whether our congregation would be on board for their congregational leader to be gone for an extended amount of time. I think we tend to wonder how the congregation will function without us. More on that later, because that's a big trap. Mm. And I personally wondered what I might learn about myself after 15 years of leading a congregation. Gosh, it's the only thing that I knew how to do. When you stop doing that for a few months, what if you realize, I don't don't want to do that anymore? Mm -hmm. You know, congregational leaders often have no other marketable skills. (laughs) So what I found, though, is that I grew in some really important ways. The congregation grew in some really important ways. And there were opportunities that presented themselves after I got back that weren't there before for ministry in our community. And I had the energy and I had the fire to guide the congregation into doing those in a way that I wouldn't have before. So I realized that it turns out that I'm actually pretty good at planning a renewal even. So I thought, well, I would like to help other clergy, other congregational leaders and other congregations figure out how to do that successfully. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and I'd love to hear, Greg, I love the image of the telephone poles passing by. Like that is just so apt to how life can be. And I'm curious as to other things that kind of raised a warning flag for you that you realized, okay, something really drastically needs to change or else things are not going to go well. Yeah, so one book that was really helpful for me is a book by Ruth Haley Barton, which is called Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership. And she actually has a list, a checklist of things warning signs that could mean that you're approaching burnout. And two of those that particularly leaped out at me, one was hoarding energy. So you have a limited amount of energy and so you're kind of selfish with it. And the way that I notice that is I tend as a congregational leader, when somebody comes into the church, I want to go out, I want to spend a little time with them, I want to greet them, I want to find out what brought them in, and you know, and if there's any way that I can be helpful. I wasn't doing that. I was staying in my office. It was just, it was easier. I didn't have enough energy to give to others. So that was one of the things that I noticed. And also another that really related to me was, she says that life-giving spiritual disciplines become one more task requiring energy and time. And so prayer and journaling and fasting and disciplines like that, that are really, I mean, central to a congregational leader's leadership were becoming not a personal part of my spiritual journey, but one more task. I got to write a sermon. I got to pray. I got to take out the dog, you know? And so those were two ways that I knew that something really had to change. I'm just sitting here thinking, That's probably true for so many pastors who have no idea that what that means is you need to do something different or that there's a possibility that it could be different. Maybe I've just been doing this too long or, you know, maybe I'm just not good at this anymore tends to be what flows through our mind instead of, hey, I think I need a break and I can take one. So good for you for knowing, hey, I got to take a break. How would you encourage other pastors to get to that point instead of assuming it's something wrong with us or... I'm just not into this anymore. How do you suggest they figure out, no, maybe I just need a break, that I can still do this, but I need to walk away for a bit? Yeah. So I think the first thing I would say is this is a trend that is bigger than you, right? Mm. And it's affecting us in an awful lot of different ways. West Path is the board in the United Methodist Church that deals with pensions and the health of clergy. And every two years, they put out a study 
on the health of pastors in our denomination. And it's striking. This is a broad overview. So our physical health decreased. So they put out the last study in 2021, and they found decreases in physical health, in emotional health, in work-life balance, 42% of United Methodist pastors in 2021 felt isolated at work. 52% felt work-related stress. I don't understand why it wasn't 100%. I think it kind of goes along with the job. But <laughs> but the most telling, the biggest red flag was the spiritual concerns that they raised. 61% in 2021, 61% of United Methodist clergy felt the presence and power of God in the ordinary, which was down 5% from two years earlier. 70% feel the presence of God in planning and leading worship, which was down 6% from previously. And this was a study of United Methodist clergy, I believe, all across the globe. And so the first thing I would say is this isn't just you. This is this is a thing that is happening in the world, and this is the thing that is happening to congregational leaders. The second thing that I would say is you need to have a couple of conversations with people that you trust. For me, those two people were my spouse, Reverend Julie Pimlott and also my counselor. So I think that everybody who is in a situation of congregational leadership where you are dealing with confidential conversations that are affecting people's lives, that also affects your life. And so to be able to have a conversation with somebody who is also bound by confidentiality that you can kind of talk through is really important. So I would also say to a congregational leader, if you don't have a counselor, at least on speed dial, at least on retainer, then begin that relationship and then have that conversation with them about, is this something that is going on that I probably need in-depth therapy or medicine for, because that's one of the possibilities, or is this a spiritual issue that I need to reconnect spiritually with the one who created me and the one who called me into ministry? Mm, I like that. And I like the reminder that it needs to be somebody bound by confidentiality, probably not your deacon board, probably not your counsel, but somebody that no. you know, whatever you say stays with them. I think that's important to feel less isolated too, that there is somebody that I can really open up to. Yeah, absolutely. And it may also be that many of us, hopefully most of us have a colleague or two who we can bounce things off of like that, who are willing to hear our vulnerability and say, you know, that does sound like something needs to change. That does sound like you're heading in the direction of burnout. And I don't want to see that for you. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard this recently a couple of times and I can't remember the source. So apologies if you're listening and you're the one who said this to me, but somebody mentioned when a, a staff person or a clergy person is struggling, maybe one of the first questions to ask them is who are your friends? Who are mm -hmm. your good close friends Yeah, that you can spend some time with and you can talk to? And there's also just kind of an inherent confidentiality in those tight friendships that you have from school or from your past. That's so vital to pastors. And Reverend Pimla, I'm glad that you're bringing it up, that you can't do this by yourself. It's already an isolating profession just by nature, but you can't do it alone. And you really do need friends and colleagues, maybe not from your congregation. I know it gets tricky. It's kind of a sticky, it's a sticky relationship. Because you, you need to be vulnerable and open with the folks in your congregation, but not everybody can handle every vulnerability and emotion that you have. And so having somebody like a colleague or a friend outside of that congregation um, makes a big difference and goes a long way. So thank you for bringing that up, Matt and Reverend Pimlock. Yeah. So I'd like to return to something you said earlier on, and it sounds like there might be a number of myths out there around renewal leave that prevent people from stepping into the ability to embrace it, whether that be the congregation's reluctance to allow it to happen or whether it be the clergy leader's reluctance to take that step. What are some of those things that are roadblocks that are misunderstood? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think you kind of named the two biggest ones. The first one is, what will my congregation say? Number one, will they think less of me if I say, hey, this has been hard and I need some time to focus on me? And the second is just logistically, for many of us, our congregations are the people who financially support us. And so what if they ask the question, well, we're, we're supporting you to do this work financially and you want to stop? I don't get to stop working in my office or in my factory job or whatever. And I think the first thing that I would say about that is, number one, I really hope that other people in high intensity 
professions have somebody advocating for them to periodically take time off. I think renewal leave is not just something or time of renewal is not just something that clergy need. It's something that congregations need too. It's something that everybody who is simultaneously involved in caring for their souls, caring for their neighbors and doing professional work of any kind. I'm going to walk that back. And if it's and doing work of any kind needs time away, needs a chance to really focus on the relationship between them and their creator. And so I think that we make the mistake as clergy who go into a conversation with a congregation about renewal leave of assuming that they don't already sense that that's a need of humans. Right. They may not have necessarily thought of this in terms of, okay, there is a need for renewal, but they certainly understand that sometimes you got to step away, that it's hard to focus on your own faith and also do all the busy things of daily life. And so I think that congregations by and large are more open to the idea of, hey, this person has been working really hard for us. They're going to need to take some time away. And so I guess just from my personal experience to your second point, the first week that I was on renewal leave, I spent a lot of time, we have a couch that is up against a window in our house that looks over the church parking lot. And I spent a lot of time watching the parking lot of the church (laughs) and thinking, just watching who was going in and who was coming out and thinking, oh, I wonder if they're going to a meeting. Oh, there's a (laughs) finance meeting going on right now wonder what they're going to be talking about. I wonder, huh, I should be there. That's a real concern. And it's also a real problem, mm-hmm. right? Because I think that congregational leaders, we become so wrapped up in the day-to-day workings of a congregation that we imagine that perhaps the congregation couldn't function without us. Mm-hmm. And that's it's understandable, but it's not true. And one of the things I actually found out, so, um, One of the moments that was a kind of a gut check for me was I was talking to to some of my congregational leadership about the fact that I was going to be taking this renewal leave. And one of them said, you know, (laughs) when are you leaving? How how soon can you get gone? And at first I thought, well, hold on, wait a minute. But then we kept talking (laughs) and she said, you know, over the last five years, I'd been there five years at Main Street United Methodist Church at this point. And she said, during these last five years, You've been talking about leadership development, about how we all need to be empowered to lead and how about it's not just the clergy person's job to lead. And here we have the chance to do it. Go so we can practice what we've been talking about. Mm -hmm. You know, it started as almost a punch to my ego, but then ended up becoming a real affirmation of the work that we've been doing over the last five years. Mm -hmm. So that makes me wonder. So You go on leave, people step into leadership roles, some of them they had before, some of them they did not, Mm -hmm. and then you come back. Mm -hmm. Did people maintain the same level of leadership or did they try and step back and let you step in? Did you guys have to figure out new roles? Mm. How did that work? How did your transition back in work? Mm -hmm. That's a great question. So the leader that comes to mind is named Betty. And Betty had a kind of a key role before and after my renewal leave of being responsible for congregational care. And during the three months, I was on renewal leave for three months, and we were very fortunate that we only had one funeral during those three months' time. It was a, a blessed, wonderful saint of the church, and she became quite ill during the time that I was away, and Betty went to visit her. And she said, well, would you like me to call the pastor? We had a, another pastor who served in some very kind of preaching and pastoral care capacities while I was gone. And she said, do you want me to call that pastor? And she said, well, you know, Betty, I've never really met that person. Would you be willing to do my funeral? And Betty said, yes, absolutely. I would be willing to do that. And she did. And she did a great job. And so when I got back, you know, I talked to her and I was asking her about how it went and what it meant to her to have led that funeral, to have done that wonderful thing, that wonderful act of faithful service for the saint of the church. And she <laughs> and she said, it was such a wonderful experience. And I am so glad you're back because I don't want to do it again. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that was really almost everybody in the congregation kind of embraced those three months away with that. This is going to be some extra leadership work on my part, and I'm willing to do it for this three months. And then at the end of this three months, you know, 
I'm glad to be able to step back a little bit. And so I think we probably renegotiated some roles in ways that I wasn't even completely aware of because I was trying to figure out how I was going to ease back. I would love to get a chance to, to talk to some of the folks who were key lay leaders at that time. And I probably will in the next few days as a result of your question. Yeah, I just know like when I did seminary, it was two weeks on campus. And so I would leave and my husband became the main caregiver for our children who were young at the time. They were three and six when I started. And coming home, like those first two or three days was rocky because I came back in ready to resume the role that I had left with. And he'd been two weeks being the main caregiver and he kind of liked it. Mm -hmm. And I was never smart enough to realize, oh, I could step back and he could take some of this on. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, But just that renegotiation of coming and going. Yeah, that's a great point. I would say for um, clergy people who are planning on taking a renewal leave, that whoever is the person in their life, whether it's a spouse or partner or even a good friend, the most important thing really for me was to make sure that my wife, Julie, had a really good experience during those three months because I, like you, when you went to seminary, I was the one who was going away. Yeah. Right. And because of her commitments here, she was not able to take renewal leave at the same time. I was doing wonderful things. I was learning. I was growing. I was really doing some really fun and interesting traveling. And Julie wasn't. And so to make sure we planned my renewal leave together in order to make sure that as much as possible, it was also something that was going to be a good experience for her. And we even incorporated as much as possible If there were times that she and I or our family as a whole could get away, we did that as well. That's great. So how, this is always the big question, right? We all know that, well, maybe people don't know that the Lilly Endowment has renewal leave money for pastors in Indiana and nationwide. But I don't think you took that, right? You didn't use the endowment funds. You funded it in other ways, right? That's right. And so I am so thankful to the Lilly Foundation. When they started the program of grants for renewal leaves, it was it was almost unheard of yeah. for clergy in the middle of their ministry to take a renewal leave, and especially in the middle of their ministry at one particular congregation. And so they absolutely, I mean, they broke the ground and continue to break the ground so that it has become acceptable for clergy to start talking about, hey, I might need a renewal leave. Because everybody has heard of somebody's congregation where the congregational leader took a renewal leave. And so the idea is out there. I am convinced that there are many more clergy, many more congregational leaders that need to take renewal leave than there are grants available. And so what I am hoping to carve out is a space for folks who, for whatever reason, aren't able to get that big grant who can still take a renewal leave that is going to be life-changing, that is going to be ministry-changing on a shoestring budget. Have you written any of that down by chance? (laughs) I have. (laughs) I have been been shopping around a manuscript and have had a couple of interested bites. And so hopefully at some point I will have some news about that. Excellent. Well, hopefully they bite and that can be out there because I know, and not just senior pastors, right? Associate pastors, youth pastors. I mean, anybody in that role. Mm -hmm. And so being able to help them figure out, well, how do I fund it? I think would be a huge gift. Yes. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping. And I would even go farther and say that I think that congregational leaders who are not clergy or staff could probably benefit from taking renewal leave. I don't know what that looks like yet, but as I continue to think through this, I could imagine saying to somebody who has been faithfully serving in a role, a lay role in a congregation, hey, you know, you are starting to seem like the leadership of this congregation is really wearing on you. What would happen if you didn't come to church for two months? And that's different than didn't worship for two months, right? And it's different than didn't attend to your faith for two months. But what would happen if we carve some space out for you to take a step away from the responsibilities that you have taken on as a volunteer in your congregation and went and listened to religious leaders that you've always wondered kind of what it's like to sit and listen to them teach to actually do that? Or what would it be like if you are a person who really connects to faith 
through nature. What would it be like for you to take a weekend and instead of coming and getting 10 questions about the finances of the church, if you're the treasurer, you know, what if you went and you spent a weekend in a state park and on Sunday morning you got up and you took a walk and you took your Bible with you and you worshiped in the woods? That is a phenomenal idea. Because you're right, like even lay leadership that comes in on a Sunday morning, people see you and say, oh my gosh, this is my opportunity to talk to you. So often, if you're in any kind of leadership, Sunday morning isn't always worshipful because maybe you're dealing with issues or people have questions. Oh, I think that's a fantastic idea. I have never thought about that, but that would be a gift. Yeah, that reminds me of how we ambushed you yesterday morning, Shelly, as soon as you walked in the door, <laughs> we're peppering you with questions about your schedule. It's like, let me get my coffee. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Because then you give people permission to rest, really, is what you're doing. And our culture does not give people permission to rest. And that's one of the things I think Christianity is countercultural in. I'm going to be thinking about that one. I'm going to be thinking about that one. (laughs) Yeah. And in terms of what we've been talking about with the financial aspects, I'm just curious as to just some of the tips or thoughts that you have, because renewal leave can appear to be such a ridiculously expensive endeavor. Um, What are some of the things that you learned as you developed your own financing for that? (laughs) So maybe a story to start this out. During my renewal leave, one of the trips that I took to visit a mentor of mine that I had been talking about since college, had been talking about ministry and what that meant, lives in North Carolina in the mountains. And so I went down for a couple of days to reconnect with this mentor. And then Julie and the boys were going to join me. And it happened to fall on Julie's birthday. And I wanted to make sure that my renewal leave didn't swallow up all the important moments in Julie's life. And so I decided, you know, we needed to have a birthday celebration. We needed to have a birthday cake. Well, so there's a little town not very far away from this cabin in the mountains that I was staying at. And it had one bakery and it was like a gourmet bakery. I have no idea what this gourmet boutique bakery was doing in this little tiny town in the mountains of North Carolina, but it was. And they had they had one cake left. It had been made for somebody else. It had been sitting in the freezer for 24 hours. And so they were willing to give it to me for half price, which was $75. Yeah. Oh my. Uh But I had to have a cake and this was the only option. So I bought that cake and we had a wonderful celebration. But after the birthday celebration was over, I put it in the cooler, put plastic wrap around it in the cooler. And every day on the rest of my trip for lunch, I ate a piece of that cake. Because when you are on a self-funded renewal leave, you do not throw away $75 cake. Now, if I had had the Lily Grant, I would have probably said, could you bake me another cake? right? Mm -hmm. That's the beauty of the Lily Grants. But when you're doing it yourself, you're a little, a lot more thrifty with your money and you have to be a little more creative with finding sources of money. So in the United Methodist Church, renewal leave is paid renewal leave. And so my congregation did the tremendous financial blessing to me of continuing to pay my salary while I was on renewal leave. That may not be true for every congregational leader, in which case I think it would be legitimate to ask the congregation and say, look, is there any source of finances that you can help me with? I'd probably go in with a specific idea rather than saying, hey, you know, I'm looking for money. But if this is something that genuinely your congregation can see that there is something going on with you that you need to sort out, you know, I think it's not unreasonable to say this is going to benefit you. Certainly there are grants a lot of times within denominations, if you're willing to be a little creative. So in the United Methodist Church in Indiana, now there is actually a small grant for renewal leave. There wasn't at the time that I took renewal leave, but there was a grant for spiritual formation. So I couldn't apply for a grant for my renewal leave for that spiritual formation grant. But one of the things that I was doing was going to a monastery in New Mexico and spending a week in prayer and contemplation. And that did qualify. And so if you're willing to be a little creative and plan ahead what you're going to do, then you can find funding for different pieces and parts. Also think the United States is a really sort of strange society in which 
there's money lying around if you know where to find it and you know how to get it, right? And so, you know, some examples that I had is for my health insurance, I wear a pedometer and the insurance company actually puts money into an account that I can access online if I reach a certain number of steps every day or every month or every year. I wasn't good about accessing that money. And so I had built up a kind of a chunk of money. Well, I took that and I applied it to my renewal leave. October is pastor appreciation month. Folks who are pastors sometimes end up getting a little bit of money from their congregation in October. Save that, don't spend it right away, and then use it on renewal leave. You know, I think one option is to apply for a Lilly grant. And then you don't even have to ask that question. The question that you have to ask is, how am I going to spend all that money? But if Mm -hmm. you decide to go in a different direction, there are ways to find money in order to have a really, really good life-changing renewal leave on a shoestring budget. So Greg, would it be okay if we put your contact information in the show notes and if folks had questions about a self-funded renewal leave, they could reach out to you directly? Absolutely. And that's been one of the blessings as I've started kind of telling my story and also encouraging others to take renewal leave, consider taking renewal leave. One of the blessings has been having folks reach out to me and say, hey, this is something that I know that I need and I haven't just quite been able to figure out how to get going on it. Great. Well, we'll definitely make sure to do that. So before we wrap up our conversation here, we'll have you share where folks can find you, but we'll also include that in the show notes. So how do you as a pastor help people in your congregation, leadership, people who just come on Sunday mornings who maybe aren't in leadership, how do you help them understand the importance of the renewal leave? Because I know a lot of people would say, well, I only get two weeks of vacation, but a renewal leave is not a vacation. It's something very different. So how do you help folks understand the importance and help them to be okay with you being gone? Uh What tips would you have? Yeah. So probably one at the beginning and one at the end. I think one of the best things that we did is we formed a renewal leave team that was made up of folks from the congregation who saw my ministry closely and had a sense of the reason and importance for this and also could interpret renewal leave, the idea of renewal leave to the congregation. And so for us, it was made up of Betty, the lay leader I told you, who was responsible for congregational care, as well as our office manager, because that was the person who saw my daily working the very most. And then the third person was somebody who had come to us from a different congregation where their pastor did take renewal leave. So knew kind of the ins and outs of how that worked. That renewal leave team stood up with me every time that I talked about renewal leave at the beginning. And then after a while, I wasn't standing up there anymore and it was just them talking about it. And so I think that provided some opportunity for congregational buy-in. They understood that this wasn't just the pastor who was doing this. This was the church leadership had said, no, this is an important thing for our congregation. And they were able to handle lots and lots of detailed questions about what's likely to happen during the three months that Greg is away. So that's at the front. Then on the back end, I just told stories a lot in my sermons. We had a a kind of a celebration that was a celebration of the time that Pastor Steve, who was the interim pulpit supply during those three months for a celebration of his time and also a celebration of my return. And I think that was important. I think equally important or maybe even more important was in the months following, I would incorporate stories into my sermons, not just the details of what I did, but also what I learned. And I think that actually Lily makes this really intentional as a part of the post-renewal leave process. I did it a little more ad hoc, but I tried to remember that this wasn't just something that had happened to me. And this wasn't just something that the Holy Spirit was doing for me. It was doing for me and my congregation. Thank you. So what's the right time to begin thinking about planning a renewal leave? Like at what point in your ministry journey should you really start thinking about and at least paying attention to some of the beginning details of this? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there's two answers to that question. And one answer is the time that you really ought to start thinking about it is before you know you need it. (laughs) And, And that's what I'm hoping to move the needle on a little bit is to talk to folks and before they realize like I did, oh my gosh, something has to change right away to help people be kind of proactive and preemptive with their renewal leave. I think in terms of logistically, I think 
it probably takes about 10 months. If you're self-funded and so you know you need to find a budget, if you want to make sure that your congregational leadership is empowered and prepared to be doing the ministry of the church for however long that you're gone without the safety net of having a kind of a professional leader of a church or a congregation, probably about 10 months. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. That's really helpful. So I was just going to ask, do you have a length of time for a renewal leave that you think is best? Because I know if you don't go long enough, you don't mediate the burnout. And if you go too long, I don't know, is there too long? I don't know. But how would you answer that? (laughs) Yeah. So a pastor named Russ Abel, and I don't know whether he's the person who came up with this or he heard it from somebody, but the person who told me was a pastor named Russ Abel who said that you really need to take three months of renewal leave. And the way that he said it is the first month you're getting out of the rhythm of congregational leadership life. If you can only take a month, that's much better than nothing, right? It's infinitely better than nothing. But the second month, of three months of renewal leave, you start getting into the rhythm, you learn the rhythm of renewal leave. And then that third month, you're fully in the rhythm of renewal leave. And so that's when, at least in my experience, that's when the Holy Spirit really has a chance to dig deep and to get into your your spirit and into your heart and begin to make those life transforming changes and ministry transforming changes. I would say that for me, most of those happened in the third month that I was on renewal leave. Okay. That's really helpful. Yeah. Thank you. As we come to the end of our time here, where can folks follow information on you or your congregation or your work? I would love to talk to folks. Probably email is the easiest way to get a hold of me, which is greg.pimlot. So my first name dot my last name at inumc.org, which is short for Indiana United Methodist Church. Also would love for you to reach out through Facebook, which is Greg Pimlot, first and last name, or Instagram, which is greg.pimlot. You can find out more about the congregation that I serve at MainStreetUMCBoonville.com. And we also have Instagram, which is worshipwithoutwalls47601. Well, Reverend Greg Pimlot, we thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for sharing your experience and your wisdom. I think this is a topic that a lot of people need to hear. So I'm excited for this episode to get out there and would encourage people to take you up on it, that sometimes people can get intimidated when they hear a voice in some kind of disembodied way on a phone. (laughs) But you're serious that like people to reach out and we would love that as well. So thanks so much for your time. Thank you very much, Shelly and Matt. Thank you. was Reverend Greg Pimlot with some really great things to say about renewal leave, the importance of it, and how he went about it. So Matt, what were some of your impressions from the interview? Yeah, I just appreciated so much that he was sharing from his experience. And it's someone who has done some pretty heavy lifting to figure something out and is trying to help others not reinvent the wheel, which is really great. (laughs) You know, I think about like buying a house. I worked in mortgage way back in the day. And so I knew a lot about mortgage lenders and closing costs and things like that. And so when we were able to buy our first home, we were pretty knowledgeable. But then when we were young adult ministers, we had some of our young adults that were getting ready to buy houses and just knew nothing about it. And so we told them like, hey, you know, I'm happy to talk to you if you'd like. And they never took us up on it. Oh my <laughs> but gosh. <I'm> sure <laughs> that they were just mystified by, you know, what the good faith estimate was and closing costs and like, what's the processing fee and all that kind of thing. And you know, we do that. We kind of generationally or in terms of our vocations and occupations, we consistently reinvent the wheel rather than (laughs) looking for people who have done something before and having them help us figure it out. So I love the fact that he is so proactive. And for you listeners, he's dead serious. Like if you want to talk to him, then shoot him an email and he'd be happy to talk to you. I just love when we share wisdom and we share information in ways like that. Yeah. And why did we lose that in our society? I don't, we used to seek people out and we had mentors and we did all of that. And you're right. We just try and do it all on our own. Way too much independence sometimes. Interdependence is what we're meant for. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But yeah, he's already got a big foundation laid. So absolutely take him up on that conversation. Very engaging, very knowledgeable. He will help you get your feet in the right direction for sure. Yeah. Yeah. What stood out to you? 
when he started talking about, he started wondering what would it look like for the lay leadership to take a sabbatical as well, to give Mm -hmm. permission to that chair of Christian education or the chair of the trustee board or the president of the council or whatever form leadership takes in your congregation to say to them, hey, what would it look like if you didn't come for two months and that you Mm -hmm. experienced alternative forms of worship or you went to a different congregation or... Because he's right. I mean, if you walk into your congregation and you've had a leadership role, even if you step back for a little bit, people aren't going to remember that you've stepped back. So mm-hmm. allowing sabbatical for lay leadership, I honestly thought it was brilliant and I had never thought of it before. So I'm interested to see as he continues to think through that, what comes from it. Yeah. Yeah. And for those of you listening who are lay leadership in your congregation, we see you. Yes. <laughs> If you're not working in another occupation and you're a volunteer person in a congregation, likely you're just about working a full-time job. Yes. If you are working a full-time job and volunteering for your congregation, chances are you're working a part-time or a second full-time job. (laughs) Yes. And I don't think sometimes people realize how much responsibility that they're taking on. And I just remember when I was in congregational ministry, to be able to just sit back and just absorb what was happening rather than always being active in everything that was going on is such a blessing. Mm-hmm. And so I am right there with you, Shelley. And I don't even know if a lot of lay leadership realize that they even need that. Yeah. And as he was describing kind of the markers of burnout, I thought these are universal. Yes, <laughs> I did too. Yes. Yeah. And so anybody listening who, whether you're clergy or lay leader in your congregation, or even if you're just somebody who's interested in congregational life, even just in your own occupation, those signs of burnout are the same really for everyone. And so paying attention to those and, you know, it may not be possible for you to take a three month break from your job, but there are ways to think about renewal and ways to be able to find rest. And I just think as a culture, we're not great at that. No, we are not. We are not. No. (laughs) So I think one of the things, Matt, that you said about not realizing we need to take a break, sometimes I also think as lay leaders, we don't feel like we have permission to take a break Mm -hmm. because I'm supposed to be volunteering in my congregation and it's my calling to help where I can, but we have limited capacity because we are human. And so if you're listening and you are a lay leader and you are burnt out, please know you have permission to walk away for a while without guilt. And I know that without guilt thing is tough sometimes, but try it (laughs) because you will come back renewed and with an increased sense of passion and purpose. That's the whole point of renewal. I was also going to say as a former pastor, I know that pastors are sometimes guilty of filling a volunteer spot and then never returning to it. And so sometimes I think our lay leaders feel like they they say yes, they say yes for life. And that's really unfair. So I just want to say on behalf of all pastors everywhere, we are sorry that we don't return. We're just so grateful to have partners in ministry. But yeah, absolutely. Take the break if you need it. Yeah, I actually heard one of our presenters who was talking about volunteer retention, like getting volunteers and then being able to retain volunteers, actually talking about that very point that it's a lot easier sometimes to get someone to volunteer for something if you tell them this is a six month thing or a one year thing. And I think that's healthy. And I think that's wise because yeah, if it's like, (laughs) you're a 25-year-old person and they want you to get involved in the children's ministry, in the back of your mind, you're like, am I going to be doing this until I'm 78? (laughs) Sometimes the answer is yes. Sometimes the answer is, nope, it wasn't a good fit. (laughs) All right, so Shelly, why don't we move to resources and we will put in the show notes one thing that he specifically mentioned, which was strengthening the soul of your leadership by Ruth Haley Barton. And want to make that available just in case you are interested in that. But Shelly, what other resources did you want to bring to the table about renewal? So I saw this organization called Soul Shepherding, and it is a husband and wife couple. And they both have doctors of psychology and they're spiritual directors. And they just had a lot of really great information about caring for the soul, whether you're a lay leader, pastor, individuals. And one of the things they offer is sabbatical coaching. And what they do is they help you cast a vision for your sabbatical. They help you with planning, including preparing your church, setting boundaries. How do you manage your expectations? They talk about what renewal is. And then how do you get back to work after it's over? And they have live coaching to help you through this process. So I thought that looks like a really cool organization that if people are trying to figure out what this is going to look like, might be a really good option. 
Yeah, thanks, Shelley. That sounds like a good resource where folks might be able to get some guidance and some direction. Another possibility, and we did mention this in the interview, but I want to make sure to bring it up again, is the Center for Pastoral Excellence at Christian Theological Seminary. They are the ones who host the Clergy Renewal Program that is both an Indiana initiative and a nationwide initiative where they provide very generous grants for folks needing renewal in their congregations, for a clergy in their congregations. So we want to definitely point you in that direction. So they offer this grant program annually, and so I would highly encourage anyone who's interested to check out those possibilities and those resources as well. And also we'll mention just in our conversation about Run Hard, Rest Well, we'll make sure to link to that organization in the show notes. They are based out of northeastern Indiana and actually have some retreat space up this way. So if you're interested, especially if you're geographically located in northeast Indiana or southern Michigan or northwestern Ohio, they would be an organization to check out. We'd like to remind you about the Congregational Resource Guide, which is a place you can go and find resources on all things related to congregational life. It is thecrg.org. One of the great things I love about the CRG is when I put something in, I don't get, like on Google, I get all kinds of resource lists. <laughs> some of them relevant, some of them not. And the crg.org will bring up things that are relevant to congregations and congregational life. So we'd encourage you to get on that and play around, see what you can find. It's a great resource for folks in congregational life. Yeah, and we actually just had a meeting about that. The current count, I believe, was 1,740 resources. And you might be saying, well, that doesn't sound like that many. Well, that's because we pull them down. <laughs> when they get outdated, when they get older, when they when we think they may not be as relevant, like if there's an article up there about how to use Facebook and it's from 2012, uh, Facebook's changed a lot in 11 years. So yes. uh, we pull those resources down. So we keep the amount of resources tight on purpose because we're trying to find the most relevant and best things that are of value to congregations today. And I think every topic you can think of is well represented on the CRG. Absolutely. And if you see a gap, let us know. You can kick us an email. Actually, this would be a good time for me to mention again. You can reach out to us at podcast at centerforcongregations.org. We would love to hear from you regarding today's topic. If you have resources, if you have thoughts on the conversation that we had today, if you have other topics that you'd like us to cover, or maybe someone you think would be a good interview for us, or even just to say, hey, we wouldn't mind just saying hello. So feel free to email us at podcast at centerforcongregations.org. We do check that inbox. And it's a little lonely and a little dusty right now. So we would love for someone to, to populate that inbox. We'd also like to encourage you to rate and review us through whatever platform you listen to this podcast on. That just helps other people be able to find us more easily. And we hope that you think this podcast is helpful and that you are listening because we sure enjoy doing it. So yes, please just go ahead and rate and review us and help others find us. We also like to say thank you to the Lilly Endowment for their funding of the Center for Pastoral Excellence. And the Center for Pastoral Excellence are the ones that are the curators of the clergy renewal grant. That's a lot of C's in there. So yes, the endowment does a lot of really good work. So we are grateful for their contribution. Absolutely. And we want to do our geographical shout out. So thank you to the listeners in Kilbuck, Ohio. Kilbuck, Ohio, we see you and we are glad that you are part of the listening audience for the Center for Congregations podcast. It's got to be a hunting thing, right? <laughs> to be. I know. I, I often wonder, how did they come up with that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This episode has been edited and engineered by Jaden Lee. He always makes us sound great. Appreciate you, Jaden. And for the Center for Congregations, I'm Matt Burke. And I'm Shelley Riggs-Shorten. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.